This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio on a 105 degree Phoenix day. And today I have on the phone, Greg Reed and Greg is a minister and former private investigator. He's trained over 250 criminal justice classes on occult crimes and crimes against children. He is a survivor of ritual and sexual abuse and has written over 12 books. Greg has an honorary doctorate in divinity from Logos Graduate School, and he directs Youth Fire Ministries. And I have brought Greg back on because he has a unique perspective on the spiritual battle that we all face. And so, Greg, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be with you again. So, hey, I hear you're working on a writing project called Devil Hunter. What's that about? Well, this is going to be the sum total of everything that we experienced from about 1987 until fairly recently in doing actual investigations on occult-related crimes, crimes against children and organized pedophile and... uh, human trafficking groups. Mm-hmm. And what do you see today? Is this kind of a small small thing, or is this widespread, or what, what do you see? It's starting to come back. Um, you know, for a long time, a lot of this died out, and we weren't sure whether it was just gone back underground. Because in the 80s, particularly with the satanic issue, it was uh, national. I mean, it was a it was an epidemic crisis among youth, and we, we, we were spending all of our time actually consulting with law enforcement on various crimes, everything from ritual abuse to ritual murder to arson and everything in between. And, um, and then there was a huge backlash from several different segments of, uh, of the country that came out and said all this stuff was made up. None of it ever happened. All these people claiming to have been ritually abused were frauds. And they did such a thorough job uh, that we our network went from went from about 250 people were to what we're down to about five that actually do this. But uh, so we saw it kind of all sort of go underground. But in the last year, I've seen an uptick in the in, in this, and of course, there's been a lot of exposure through the internet of things like uh, with varying degrees of credibility of everything from the Illuminati to um, uh, spirit cooking to people in the occult involved in Hollywood and in politics. And now we're starting to actually see some street-level occult crimes start to come back, particularly in our area. Mm. So when you say street-level occult crimes, what are those? Well, for example, uh, about three weeks ago, there was a report in the paper that there had been a, a number of goats 
that had been uh, decapitated and drained of blood and left on the uh, northeast side of our town. And uh, I called the police department and went down and had about an hour uh, consultation back and forth. And it looks like that this was probably, because anytime I go into a crime like this, I want to know, first of all, is it kids or is it adults? Uh, secondly, is it uh, one person or is it organized? So from everything that they were able to tell me, I believe it's probably adults that had done this. And uh, it looks like possibly that this is, was part of a group that's known as uh, Santa Muerte, which is part of the cartel world, which is really the worship of the, of death. Mm. And uh, so we're starting to see that, and it's in cropping up pretty strongly in all the border towns. And wherever you see cartel activity, you're going to see Santa Muerte, and they have no problem with doing human sacrifice whatsoever. Oh, Wow. You know, you talk about youth, and I saw a survey that just came out that said 43% of millennials don't know, don't care, don't believe God exists. And then just 26% of Gen X and 16% of millennials believe that when they die, they will go to heaven only because they confess their sins and accepted Jesus as Lord, compared to nearly half of the generation before them. And I was at a grocery store just last weekend i saw a mom with a teenage daughter and the teenage daughter had a black t-shirt on with a pentagram on it and i wanted to throw up it just i'm getting starting to get the feeling that we're losing our youth what is what is your take on this well we essentially have and i think this is a product of if you go back to the turn of the of the century uh we the church had so taken its eyes away from what mattered away from evangelism, away from spiritual warfare, that we turned our eyes to mega church building and how to get your best life now and a number of other things. And the result is we ended up, the church became more about entertaining people and not offending them and bringing a nice soft message that they thought we thought would attract them into the kingdom. And as a result, there's a whole generation who just saw through it and saw it for what it is, which is just emptiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I started to see about five years ago, I just thought, if we don't start taking youth seriously, uh, we are really going to lose uh, a whole generation of kids. And that's essentially what's taken place. Uh, youth ministry in the United States, I know there's probably exceptions, but every place that I've gone, youth ministry has flatlined. And unfortunately, we haven't got the message because... Uh, youth pastors, particularly the ones that are coming out of seminaries and Bible school, are still thinking that if we get enough Xboxes and have enough fun and entertainment, that it's going to bring kids. And it's not. We, we're losing this generation unless we start to take it very seriously. Mm. Yeah, I've been in churches where their youth room is just stuffed with TV panels all over the walls. I mean, I don't watch their services, but I imagine there's a lot of entertainment going on there. Yes, Absolutely. And you mentioned the part about spiritual warfare in youth. I mean, um, I think a lot of us, when we think of youth ministry, we're just thinking about Awana level, teaching them the Bible, but that's that's a critical part, isn't it? Yeah, kids are way beyond, uh, and, and I remember having some people when I was in youth ministry saying, well, kids can't handle very much. And I, I told them, I said, you don't have no idea what kids are experiencing in their schools. 
you know, they, they, they will have to learn to handle it because if they're being exposed to all of this horrible stuff in high school, when that, by the time they get into college, which is pretty much designed to destroy whatever remnants of Christianity might be existent in that youth, uh, you know, they're, we're going to lose it completely. And training them in real reality, the war that's out there, is just so essential. It's never been more essential. And if we really want to win the battle for youth, then we better get a hold of our kids and start training them what this war is and how to fight it. Mm. Well, what we see is the average young man gets hooked on porn between the ages of 8 and 10. So you're dead on that they need to, to learn how to fight the battle. And I remember back in the 80s, at the high school I went to, they somebody formed a Satan group that had to do with occult worship, and that was 40 years ago, so it must be 10 times worse now. Yeah, it's really ingrained in the, in, this, in, in, the, in our country right now. There's several active groups uh, that call themselves Satanists or Luciferians, and they claim that they don't really believe in Satan, but they believe in rebellion, and they believe you know, in opposing the Christian God. But it's mainly made up of atheists and, and high-powered lawyers, so they're very lawsuit-friendly, um, uh, and, uh, you know, that's—and it's re, trying to repaint what the real problem is with Satanism, because—and they claim, and it's kind of irritating me, because they claim like they've got some sort of exclusive right to say what Satanism is and what it isn't. Mm. Well, the modern—what we call Satanism has been in existence since the 16th century— and it's documentable that that this was this the whole thing about black masses and about the opposition of Christianity under the name of Satan has been going on that long. For the, so for them to come along and try and whitewash it and say, well, it's just about rebellion and having fun, is a lie. And kids get dragged into it because it looks like it's just you know sinister and fun and something to make your parents angry or whatever without realizing. You know, if there's such a thing to selling your soul to the devil, well, that's a pretty quick path right there. Mm. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm wondering how many parents are really even aware that there is a spiritual battle against their kids. Probably not a lot. And I don't know if this is part of the millennial problem that we've uh, actually just kind of propagated in the last 21 years or whatever, but... I'm seeing more and more, especially right now when they are, parents are starting to finally be aware that people are writing curriculum, sexually explicit curriculum for grade school kids. And parents are waking up and saying, well, we, we won't permit this. And they're finally starting to kind of fight back. And it's, it may be too late, but at least they're trying. And I was thinking yesterday, having you know, seen and heard some of this curriculum they're trying to push on little kids and mm. thinking, you know, these people, anybody who writes this kind of explicit literature for children is a predator and needs to be charged with crimes against children and sexual exploitation of youth. Mm. Yeah, I saw one article. I think that first graders were getting were watched, asked to watch videos on how masturbation works, and <laughs> I wanted to puke. Yeah, yeah it's it's really... Very sinister and very uh, deliberate. I would love to know who the people are who are pushing this. I would love for us to be able to have actually public confrontations, nonviolent, of course, but confrontations with these people and, and force them to account for why 
they feel it's so necessary to expose children, our children, to that kind of thing. And it's getting to a point now where I, I saw the handwriting on the wall a number of years ago with the whole uh, LGBTQ thing starting to come up. And back then it was just, we just want to be left alone. And now it's become uh, everything. If you don't bow the knee to this thing, then you get in trouble. But that's not the, that's not where it, it's going to stop, as you know, mm-hmm. um, for a number of years, actually for maybe three or four decades, there's been two groups, uh, particular one is called NAMBLA, which is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. And the other one is the Rene Guyon Society, whose motto is sex before eight or it's too late. And they have been lobbying to change the age, lower the age of consent for a number of years. And that's their end goal, uh, is to bring it down to the level of legalized pedophilia. And now because kids are being so sexualized at such an early age, uh, the, 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 this predatory community, they've actually changed their name to MAPS, which stands for Minor Attracted Persons. And they're trying to use the same playbook as the LGBTQ in order to legislate the lowering of the age of consent. And it really shocked me to find out that a lot of this is being pushed by youth, not adults. Mm. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking, boy, we need to talk about the spiritual battle in church on Sunday morning and have times of prayer. I mean, that's like an onslaught for Satan, and we're just kind of sitting by and getting our butts kicked. Yeah, exactly. And and I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. They were uh, talking about a men's group that they're involved in their church, and he says, I just don't want to go anymore because it's more like just self-help group for men. Mm. And, you know, I said, well, yeah, I mean, men need help. We all need help. But the fact is, is if people can't read the writing on the wall and see what's going on and the flood that's coming against us, mm-hmm. then we're going to continue to gaze at our navels and try and fix ourselves when we have to realize we need God. We need to be on our knees. We need to ask God to empower us to stand up against the flood that's coming. We need to stop thinking about poor me and my problems. I mean, we've all got them, and God wants to fix us, and I encourage that. I've, God has certainly been very patient with me. But I think we only fix what's wrong with us when we focus on the real battle and understand that broken or not, problems or not, there's a war coming. And as a line from my my favorite movie, one, one of the kings says, uh, I would not risk open warfare. And the response from the other king was, open warfare is upon you whether you wish it or not. And when I see what's coming, I just realize that is the key, is we need to be on our knees. We need to re reinstitute uh, church prayer once a week where people can come and just pour out their hearts to God. Amen. Uh, we need to get ready, and we're not ready yet. Hmm. Recently, a uh, former member of DC Talk came out and said he's now calling himself an ex-evangelist, and he's worshiping the universal Christ. Um, talk about the universal Christ and what that means. Well, that, uh, that chills down my back when I read that, because universal Christ is a New Age concept that's been in existence all the, all the way back to Madame Blavatsky, who was the founder of Theosophy, which is a Luciferian religion. And she talked about the universal Christ, and it's the concept that we are all Christ, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that Jesus was a Christ, but you're a Christ too. Uh, 
you have the Christ spirit. And this has been standard New Age teaching uh, up until the present time. And so to hear somebody, a former believer, talk about the universal Christ, I realize how successful uh, their agenda has been at infiltrating the Church itself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to read that and think, oh, universal Christ, Christ is universal, what, you know, they're not going to understand what they're, what they're hearing or what they're looking at. Well, and I think part of the key to getting through these times as believers is to understand something very crucial. If you change the language, you can change the culture. Mm. And they've been doing that for a number of years. I mean, you can tell all the words that have come into our, our conscious that has changed the way that we think and the way that we act. Like, um, we talk about the narrative, or let's have a conversation, or, you know, inclusive and diversive and diverse, and there's all these words that have molded the way people think. Words are powerful. The scriptures say that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I think these things matter. I know the occult world knows that it is, and this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's important because the thing that the guy is involved with that said universal Christ is a new movement in the church. It used to be called emergent church. Now they refer to it as the progressive church. Oh. And the, the whole uh, theme of the progressive church is they call it deconstructing Christianity and rebuilding it. And when I heard that, it was very alarming to me because, uh, and it's kind of a little rabbit trail, back in the early, late 1990s, the early uh, 2000s, the Harry Potter series came out. And I knew from the get-go uh, that this was the real deal, that J.K. Rowling was not just writing a bunch of stuff she made up, but she had real-life rituals in her book and real-life characters that are deeply ingrained in the occult. She knows exactly what she was writing. And all those years passed, and I tried to convince Christians, please don't let your kids read this stuff. It's total brainwashing material. And, of course, it seems like, you know, it's old, old news now. But just in the last couple of weeks, uh, the author, J.K. Rowling, was uh, seen in a picture where you can see she's got a tattoo on her left arm that has two words, salve and coagula, and that means nothing to 99% of everybody. But to those of us who know the occult, those are the words that are written on this hideous creature, this goat depiction of Satan called the Baphomet. And those words are written on both of the arms of this, this hideous goat creature. And the words mean to dissolve and to reconstitute, to deconstruct and to rebuild. And all of a sudden I saw the connection that however they've been managing to do it with words, the progressive movement is now building their whole uh, premise on occult and satanic principles, and mm -hmm. nobody's understanding it, and nobody sees where this is going. Yeah, and I've talked to plenty of Christians myself. Yeah, you know, Harry Potter is just fantasy, nothing big about it, just movies. And to me, I've always thought, no, 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 I don't want my family anything to do with any kind of occult or witchcraft. I haven't watched the movies, but what tiny bit I knew, I knew I just didn't want to go there. But I think a lot of believers well, have bought into this, like, hey, we can just watch these movies and they have no effect on us or our kids. Right. And, and you know, I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not much of a fun person at, at a party for Christians, but 
I tend to be about as subtle as a kick in the head. But when I got that response from Christians, it's, it's just fantasy. I said, so is pornography. Are you going to let your kids watch that? It's just fantasy, just harmless, right? And there was a report out even uh, back in the last decade from the witchcraft world, the Wiccan world, that was praising Harry Potter on the premise that fantasy is the basis of all true magic. Uh, So for Christians to justify and allow this, I think speaks to the spiritual weakness that we have developed in the Western world and the spiritual blindness to the real a battle in the heavenlies that we're facing. Hmm. You know, in 2018, that's the Satanic Temple. They erected statues in the uh, Illinois State Capitol and in, right in front of the Arkansas State Capitol. What do you think that was about, more than just making a statement? Uh, I think it's uh, claiming territory, for one thing. Uh, any kind of ritual that is done is done to claim territory, and I think any time that they place something up like that, they're claiming that territory spiritual for whatever god or goddess that they're worshiping so it was only partly a statement because even in some of the rituals that they've had like in southern california they did some pretty uh pretty ugly stuff uh in these rituals and it's it's about it's despite them saying it's just you know that they're atheists and they're just rebels and all this they at the core of it it is about invoking uh, demonic entities to uh, to claim territory and to claim people. Hmm. Let's just say you're the pastor of a church, Greg. What do you do and what's your approach and what do you have your flock doing? Well, you know what I would do if I had that opportunity is I would proclaim the year ahead as reality year and I would cut out all the fluff and I would restructure the church service several ways. First of all, I wouldn't have it on a schedule where, as it is now, you've got a a screen up that gives a countdown to service, and then you have 3.1 worship songs and a short announcement, and then you have sad worship song, you have communion, you have a message, you have an ending worship song, and, you know, bada-boom, bada-bing, you're out out so everybody can get home for lunch. It's so scripted now. And so much of what the messages are about are not reality-based. They're, I mean, they're, they, they're some, some of them probably substantive. I mean, people don't know, they need to know how to make their marriage work. They need to know how to raise their kids. That's all good, but I think a lot of that probably needs to be reserved for home groups where you can really dig in. But I think from the pulpit, I would decide in a year of reality that the messages would be fiery messages about the world that we're living in, what the scriptures say, I would be teaching a number of weeks or months on biblical prophecy so Christians can understand where we stand, and I would invest a ton of money and a ton of of effort and whatever to invest in youth ministry and turn that youth ministry into the powerhouse that it needs to be, because the churches that aren't investing in youth ministry today are going to end up being mosques or bars in 10 years if Jesus doesn't come back. So I, as a pastor, I would institute a once-a-week a prayer meeting uh, where people would come and and really start to get serious with God. And uh, I would make uh, Bible reading a premium and Bible study a premium in the home groups. Mm. Well, I like it. I'm ready to join that church right now. 
Well, as soon as I get it started, I'll give you a holler. No, you need to move to Arizona, brother, and then we co-lead it or something. Well, cool it off, and I'll talk about it. <laughs> so we got about half minute left, Greg. Last words. Anything you want to say? I just uh, ask people to really do what Ephesians says, to wake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give thee light. Uh, we're not children of the night, but we're children of the day, and it's time to let that light shine in this wicked world uh, before Jesus comes back. Greg, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and I think you, what you have to say is very critical, and people need to be aware of these things and understand the spiritual battles, so thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. God bless you. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.